Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, it's about time. And our text is from the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter, the first to the ninth verses. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go into Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. Jesus always had to be very careful about how he used his time. He was on earth for a finite period. He knew that. There was much he had to do, and he was always aware of his destiny. People constantly confronted him with questions about time. When was the kingdom of God coming? When would Israel be restored? But they were dealing with time on their terms. Jesus' entire life and ministry played out on this divine timetable. Jesus worked on God's timing. The issue of time in this text comes up shortly after Jesus has fed the 5,000, one of his most dramatic miracles. He's in the region of Galilee, but his brothers are suggesting he needs to go on to Judea for the Jewish festival of tabernacles. This was the most popular of three mandated festivals that brought thousands of the faithful to Jerusalem. Jesus' brothers want him there to show the people who he was. The text says no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret, Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Now, at first, this sounds like encouragement, but in fact, these brothers, who would eventually become leaders in the church, want Jesus to repeat these amazing miracles because they believe that's the only way Jesus will succeed in his ministry. In other words, they're confronting Jesus with an issue the church has been struggling with ever since. If you want to fill those seats, if you want to build up the coffers, if you want the folks to believe you're great, If you want the folks to believe God, you better do something big to get folks' attention. But Jesus responds, the right time for me has not yet come. I have some big things to do, but this is not the time. I am on a different timetable. Now, the text includes an interesting word choice in verse 6. My time is not yet here. In this context, the Greek word for time is kairos, which is defined not as the chronological one, two, three time, but as the proper opportunity. Jesus knew he came to earth to suffer. He knew how he was going to die. He knew that the events leading to his death would go swiftly. He knew exactly how and when they would begin. You see, Jesus was here for a purpose. That purpose was a matter of time. 
Time, the ultimate puzzle of humankind. We say we know what time is. We wear watches. We wear very sophisticated watches that are supposed to be so precise. But in the bigger scheme of things, we have no concept of time. Philosophers and scientists have spent centuries trying to conceptualize it, but it remains elusive. We can't stop time. We can't speed it up. We can't relive it, though we try. When you are young, time moves so slow. But as you grow older, well, just keep living. Of course, the Greeks had two definitions of times, chronos, which meant sequential, the one, two, three, kairos, the word that Jesus used, which has a qualitative nature, the right or opportune moment, God's time. Jesus' purpose was always bound to God's time. And this is what I want you to know. Kairos always supersedes chronos. Kairos always supersedes chronos. Your idea of time is nothing compared to God's time. God's timing always trumps our perceptions. That was the story of Jesus. Remember when he was a boy and his parents couldn't find him and they searched for him and after three days found him in the temple courts sitting amongst the rabbis, listening and asking questions? Everyone who heard him was amazed at Jesus' grasp of the Bible. He was only a child. In the eyes of the world, he was ahead of his time. We often refer to the time when the disciples were out on a boat. It was dark and Jesus had not come to them. The wind started blowing. The sea became rough. When the disciples rowed the boat out three or four miles, they saw Jesus actually walking on water. He comes to the boat and they are, they're frightened. But then he tells them not to fear. He got on the boat. He goes on the boat. And here's the part we've never paid attention to. Turn to your Bibles and you're... John 6, 21, they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore. That's what it says. They got Jesus into the boat and immediately they were on shore. That's a miracle. Of course, the most dramatic divine manipulation of time, the miracle that defines our faith, Jesus stops time. He can stop time when he defies death. John eleven three, Mary and Martha notify Jesus that their brother Lazarus is sick. Jesus responds, this sickness will not end in death. And then to prove his point about timing, he delays his visit to his friends for two more days. Lazarus is then brought back from the dead so that God will get God's glory. Jesus' purpose was bound to God's timing. And God's timing, eternity, is bound to the reality that God will always get God's glory. And that is nothing like time as we know it. 2 Peter 3, 8-14, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. Where does that leave us? Well, there are a lot of things we can stop worrying about. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. That is a very consoling thought for me. I hope it is for you. It takes a, an anxiety off my life. You know, we all worry about the future. Not a day goes by that we don't think about what lies ahead. Will I get that raise? Will this illness heal? What will my children do this summer? Where will I go to college? And when we're not worried about the future, well, we're consumed with our past. 
Why did I do that? Why did he leave me if I could only relive that moment? But God looks at all of this differently. God's work in the past is the same as God's work in the future. We need to be reminded that some things take time. God's time. When the Israelites first left Egypt, God sent them the long route to the promised land. During that time, he prepared them and taught them and challenged them. When I was a child, there was a church right next door to our house on 12th and Chester and Little Rock. And that church took 12 years, all of my childhood, to build. All of it. And I always wondered, how did those people remain so patient? Why were they hanging in there? But the older I get, the more I discover that God's timing is just as important as God's will. Remember Moses? He had a heart to protect his people. But when he killed the Egyptian slave master, who was abusing a Hebrew slave, Moses was trying to liberate his people in his timing, on his will. He had to run for his life because he did not care about God's timing. And then God changed his life. And it looked like he'd lost everything, but 40 years would pass and Moses would liberate his people. But you see, he had to do it in God's time, in Kairos time. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you feel you want to do something, but it's not going the way you think it should. Get on your knees and talk to God about it and ask for God to take over. God can still use you no matter what in his perfect will in his perfect timing. You must trust him. So I just want you to remember a few things about God's timing. Waiting is a big part of God's timing. We have to learn to be patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's developed best under pressure, under trial. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed, lacking in nothing. God makes you wait sometimes to develop you, to prepare you for what's ahead. Look for God's presence in everything you do. Remember, God is sovereign. If you are patient and willing to wait, you can see God all around you in the meantime. That's how you learn to persevere, because you rely on God. God uses time to protect us. He uses time to prepare us. Timing is always up to God, and there's always a purpose to it and a reason for it. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his step and makes it sure. When God is in charge, you can be confident that things are happening as they should, when they should. Often we get lost in the attitude of thinking we control everything, but remember Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to develop humility as we wait. So patience and humility and and growing in God, learning the word, praying more. When we humble ourselves as we continue to trust God, that's when our maturity comes into play and we can become more confident in God. The key to the text is the key to the entire message I have for you today. Due time is God's time. God will work out his plan in our lives in due time. In the meantime, we must learn to trust God. 
And always remember, God's timing is perfect. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let love